Hey everyone, it's Joel here. Now I'm sure you know the drill by now, but if you don't, you can catch all six of our weekend gatherings online by going to our website, soulrevivalchurch.com. And we wanted to let you know that we are really excited to see how these hard times have made us operate better as a church. And we pray that many more people will come to know Jesus because of it. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is the Sunday morning gathering at Kirawee. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday morning live streaming of church with Soul Revival. Thank you for joining us. We're glad that you can. If you think it's a bit strange, um, well, we're all trying to get used to it. Um, So if that's strange, then it's even stranger that I'm talking into a screen and nobody's answering back. So um, hang in there with us and um, we'll try and make it a smooth uh, changeover for you. Um, if you're not connected um, with our church, uh, please jump on the website and let us know. Send us your email address because we're getting weekly updates through the church and it's really important to stay connected and do our church as we do together so well um, as best we can. So we really want you to be blessed as you bless us in return. Um, so I'm just going to quickly open in a word of prayer. Lord, encourage our hearts. Knit us together in bonds of love, and may we enjoy the riches of full understanding and knowledge of Christ. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. By him all things were created. In him all your fullness lives. Thank you, Jesus, for making peace by your blood on the cross, forgiving all our sins. Lord, let us never be swayed by clever-sounding arguments against this. Keep our faith firm and help us share it. Fill us with thanksgiving as we walk in Christ this day. Amen. So um, before we begin in a word of prayer, Cassie's going to pray for us. Um, Just want to ask Cassie a question um, in light of what's going on around us with the COVID and um, adapting to life um, in a very different way. How has that affected you and what are your thoughts on your life? at the moment? Yeah, I mean, life is pretty different. Um, I was basically kicked out of a shop the other day because I was taking too long to pick things. I was really enjoying my time outside the house, enjoying it a little bit too much, I think. Um, And I was politely (laughs) told to hurry up. Um, So that was really weird and I went home just feeling really strange, like, what does the world come to? but yeah, in our household, it's, um, it's been just a lot of the three of us together. So my husband and my 19-month-old. Um, so yeah, like keeping him indoors has been a bit of a challenge. Um, we get outside as much as possible to ride around on his bike. But um, yeah, I've been go- I'm a school teacher, so I actually go in to teach um, a little bit less regularly this term and it will um, be- become more days next term so that'll be interesting but um yeah so when I'm out of the house Pete's looking after a 19 month old plus doing his own work at home um so that can be a bit challenging um I think I'm gonna have PTSD from those zoom call incoming call notifications like seriously it's just non-stop there's another zoom call there's another one 
it's not. <laughs> it's yeah, just we're annoying. <laughs> we're all zoomed out, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's pretty tiring trying to communicate with people over the internet. Um, just not having that natural way of conversation and one person talking at a time, it just feels a little bit funny. But I think we'll get used to it. I think it'll be okay. We're coping all right. <laughs> and how are you man- managing with community group? Are you involved in one? Yeah, yeah. So um, we are in Ross and Quinn's community group. Um, they're doing a fabulous job at still hosting that. Um, yeah, we still get into lots of really great discussions and, um, yeah, it feels really natural when we all gather together and it's, yeah, it's nice when it's a bit of a smaller group so you can have that more yeah. rigorous conversation and, yeah, it's, it's going well. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Cassie. Um, a bit of normality for us all. So please get connected if you are not part of a community group. Um, there's no excuse now because it's not like you can't get there, you have to drive anymore. Um, and it's just great to be together. It's really important. Um, okay, so if you want to um, pray for us, that would yeah, be great. Absolutely. Just get my other screen on. <coughs> uh, so please bow your heads or do whatever you would like to um, focus on uh, talking to our great God. Please join me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you are in control of all things. Thank you that we can put our full trust in you. Father, during this time of uncertainty, fear, boredom and confusion, we pray that your church may be a sign and a place of hope, comfort and love to all. We pray uh, for everyone who's affected by COVID-19 in a range of different ways. We pray for families who are facing difficult decisions about schooling, childcare, for people who have lost their income or employment. We pray for the government leaders and their very important decisions about policies and laws. We pray that uh, for those who are particularly vulnerable at this time, we pray for safety and protection over those people. We pray for those who are experiencing heightened anxiety and fears during this time. And so we pray for comfort and peace of mind for those people. Ultimately, Lord, I pray that you will bind, you will be what binds us together in love with you at the centre. We pray that at this unique time of our lives, that people will begin to reflect on their relationship with those that they love and also on their relationship with you, Lord, the God who loves us in all seasons. We pray that people will turn to you for the first time We pray that this pandemic challenges the worldviews of people which they've held so tightly for so long. We pray that people will turn to you in this time, Lord. We pray that people will tune in to our services um, online, um, even if they haven't been to church before. We pray that you'll bring people along and that you'll change their minds and that they will have you to hope and trust in, Lord. Lord, we pray overall that you will be exalted over all things. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you, Cassie. Um, for those that have got children, my heart goes out to you. It's a challenge um, uh, during the week, I guess, um, especially for teachers out there. So um, the good thing is um, this morning's church, it doesn't matter that they're running wild. Believe me, we will not hear them. Okay, so we're on a serious note. We're going to read the Bible now before Paul um, gives us God's word. So we are reading from Luke, um, Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26. So if you want to get your Bibles out, we are trying to keep everything as normal. Um, so if you could read with me, Luke chapter 6, verse 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. For that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. I'll start with a, with a question for us this morning. Have you ever reflected on just how unexpected the teaching of the Bible can be? Now, Christianity is a type of upside-down, back-to-front kind of religion. So much of its teaching is really surprising to our ears. And just a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the letter of James, and we saw how that started out. It said, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Uh, we wouldn't expect that. And then today, we hear Jesus say things like, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry and the sad. Again, we would expect the opposite. And then just to underline that point, he says, woe to the rich, woe to the well-fed and to the happy. I mean, aren't those type of people the people we would think of as being blessed? And then to top it off next week, Christianity is going to have a memorial day where we remember the brutal execution of an innocent man. And we call that day Good Friday. How could anything so horrid be considered good? Well, you'll have to tune in next Friday to hear more about that. Well, with all these unexpected turns in the Bible, uh, it's important that we call upon God for his help for his help to understand his word and also his help to respond rightly to it. So 
Why don't we begin by praying to him now? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do humbly admit that we need your help. Help us to have ears that can understand your word and also hearts that will respond rightly to it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, uh, we're just a few days away from Easter, and so we thought it would be helpful to spend a couple of weeks focused on Jesus and to look at some events surrounding his life and ministry. And our reading today starts off by setting an expansive scene. We have it here at verse 17. It says there, Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. Now some of those places will probably mean nothing to you, but just a little geography lesson. From Judea and Jerusalem to the south, to Tyre and Sidon in the north, that's a stretch of over 200 kilometres. The fame of Jesus was spreading far and wide and crowds were coming from everywhere to flock to him. And it's not hard to see why. Have a look at verse 18. They'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Isn't that an amazing picture? Power was just coming out of him and healing them all. Earlier in the Gospel, from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we've been introduced to his power, his absolute command over evil, demons cast out with just a word, his absolute authority over sickness, the lame, the diseased, healed with a touch. This is Jesus in all his vast authority and the crowds are swarming to him, jostling to hear him, to be healed by him. See, friends, in the presence of Jesus, good things happen. His power overcomes evil and disease. Now, have you ever been to a hospital and the intensive care unit? It's a pretty sobering place, isn't it? It's a real reminder of our fragility. That's one of the frightening things of this current crisis. We don't know if there'll be enough hospital beds to prop up our sick bodies. But just imagine, just imagine if Jesus was physically with us. There would be no need of hospitals. He would simply walk into them and one person after another, after another, after another would be completely healed. You can imagine the crowds. They would come swarming to him to be with Jesus. You see, the image that these verses are reminding us of is they're telling us, who are we dealing with here? I mean, that's why we love the gospel so much, because in them we get this great snapshot of Jesus in action, a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, of what it's going to be like to be physically present with Jesus in his new creation. I mean, can you picture it? No more, no more social isolation, no more viral pandemics or any kind of disease or disability, no more hospitals, no more funerals, 
No more poverty. No more hunger. No more sadness. Don't you want that? And so it's not surprising. The crowds swarm to Jesus. And coming back to our reading, Jesus lifts his eyes to his disciples and he says, Blessed are you. Now to be blessed is to be happy, yes? It's to be fortunate, to be a a direct recipient of God's favour. There's no surprises there, that's how it's to be understood. And that's how most people would understand that word. But here's the surprise. The surprise is the pathway to that blessing. Here we see the teaching of Jesus flying flat in the face of our society's values and desires. For who do we think? Who do we think is the blessed person? Who is the the happy person today? Wouldn't it be the financially secure, where the wage is good, the mortgage is sorted, the health plan is in place? Aren't the happy, the well-fed, where food is on the table, the pantry is stocked? Aren't the blessed, uh, the people experiencing emotional joy in a happy family, a loving spouse, kids satisfied with getting every opportunity in life? You know, like a picture we might have here on screen. A real, happy, shiny family. They're the blessed ones. And aren't the blessed, the socially included, the ones that are invited to parties, the ones welcomed into the club like an old friend. But Jesus' teaching seems to fly flatly in the face of this view. He turns the popular understanding of being blessed squarely on its head. Have a look here on the screen. Blessed are you who are poor, but woe to you who are rich. Blessed are you who hunger, Woe to you who are well fed. Blessed are you who weep. Woe to you who laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Well, that's unexpected. What is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that we're blessed if we are indeed financially insecure, if we're physically needy, if we're emotionally distressed? or if we're socially excluded. Is he saying we're blessed if that's the case? At first glance, it seems like that. And over the years, many have taught this idea that God has special favour upon those who are poor, in need and in distress. What's needed here is actually a, a more careful reading of the Bible, because the Bible presents actually a broader picture. Now, without doubt, as we read through the scriptures, we'll see that God has a very real concern for those that are literally poor, needy and vulnerable. There are direct commands to care for them. But here, as Jesus speaks of the poor, the hungry and the sad, it would be altogether wrong that he is speaking of the literally financially poor or the emotionally distressed. So that begs the question. Who are the poor? Who are the hungry? Who are the excluded? Well, friends, The language is coming straight out of the Old Testament and Jesus himself shows us an example of this. Earlier in the Gospel, in chapter 4, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus is in the synagogue at Nazareth and they hand to him the scroll of Isaiah and he reads from the end of Isaiah and applies it directly to his ministry. Have a look here on the screen. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news 
to the poor. Here's a reference to the poor in the Old Testament. So who is Isaiah writing to? Let's go back into the Old Testament and see who is he writing to. He's writing to God's people, but they are in exile. Jerusalem has been destroyed. The spiritual state of the nation and God's reputation is in tatters. And they weep and they mourn by the rivers of Babylon. So who are the poor? Who are the sad in Isaiah? Well, it's God's people in the exile. They are out of God's presence and so they're desperately sad and in mourning. So what we have is a broader understanding here. In the context of Isaiah, the poor are not so much the financially insecure, it's referring to the poor in spirit. People who are deeply aware that they need God's help. Now we could illustrate this with lots of other references to the Old Testament, but actually it would be easier for now to let Jesus clear things up for us. And we can hear it from his lips himself. In Matthew's Gospel, we actually have an expanded record of this very sermon. And Jesus said there, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus clears it up for us. In this passage, the poor does not equal all people everywhere who suffer financial need. Now, the poor are actually those who are deeply aware of their desperate need for God's help. Now, among this number, there will be people who are actually poor in financial poverty, but actually it will include everyone, no matter what their financial situation is, who needs God's spiritual help. And so briefly unpacking the other descriptions. The hungry, well, that's those who hunger and thirst for God's righteous kingdom to be established. Those who weep are those who mourn over their separation from God, their sin and their failure. And those rejected are excluded and hated because of their allegiance to Jesus. And just to decide to that last point, I wonder what the disciples were thinking as they heard that bit about rejection. They'd only just been called as disciples and then Jesus looks directly at them and he says, verse 22, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Friends, ultimately, in heaven, there is a great reward for following Jesus, but there's also the prospect of persecution. Indeed, the Bible stated even more intensely, saying that, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And we've seen it in the Gospel. As we've been starting to read it, you can start to see that the opposition to Jesus has become visible and that opposition is going to intensify and intensify and intensify until they nail Jesus to the cross. Friends, if that's how the world has treated Jesus, well, that's how the world will treat his disciples. Okay. So while the disciples are chewing that over, we actually need to remember that there was another crowd listening as well, a vast crowd. And the call is to them. The call is this. It's to those who know their spiritual poverty before God. 
the call to those who are hungry for God's righteous intervention into their lives. The call is to those who weep over their spiritual failure. And Jesus says to them, Blessed are you, because I am here. The kingdom has arrived, and all the blessings of the kingdom will flow through Jesus. Blessings like the forgiveness of sin, of renewal into righteousness, as adoption into God's family, and entry into eternal glory. Just to name a few of the blessings found in Jesus. Friends, here's the bottom line. The call of Jesus to have the right attitude to our position before God. Many of you would know about John Newton, a former slave trader who became a Christian. He wrote a pretty well-known hymn. You probably know it, Amazing Grace. He wrote lots of letters. And in one of his letters, he wrote this. Although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. Isn't it true? The more we get to know ourselves, the more we discover how much of a failure we are before God. And conversely, the more we come to know and love Jesus, the more we're assured of his saving power. Friends, it is true, we are great sinners, but Christ is a great saviour. Well, Jesus begins his sermon by promising blessing to those who have a right attitude to God. But he concludes his sermon by warning the arrogant and proud. A couple of years ago, I used to work in the city and sometimes I'd, work, I'd walk out at lunchtime to the bustling food courts, full of people. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you might have to use your imagination these days to picture a crowd, but uh, bear with me. In that crowd, there might have been all sorts of people. Picture this. Here's a man who's come out of one of the big buildings downtown, from the top end of town. Financially well off. Health plan in place. Successful family. Three cars at home in the triple garage. A holiday home by the sea. Now, what's Jesus' verdict on that man's life? Well, if he's quite content in his own worldly wealth and knows no poverty towards God, then Jesus says, verse 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Picture another person, this time a lady, a great entertainer. She has a beautiful home that's the perfect setting for catch-ups with friends. She's a gourmet cook who amazes her friends um, with gastronomic extravaganzas. She has a great passion for socialising, but there's no hunger toward God. And Jesus says, verse 25, Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Here's another person, a young man, just starting his new job and for the first time in his life he has a cash flow, real money, and he secured a loan to get his first car. Life is great. Heaps of friends. A time of maximum freedom but minimum responsibility. Life is good and he's living it to the full. But in his youthful excitement, he has no sadness about his failures before God. 
And Jesus says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Here's a young lady, a sharp communicator, a powerful advocate for all. Everyone speaks highly of her. She actually actively defends any kind of thinking and lifestyle. And she loves the popular acceptance. And so she actually rejects unfashionable Christianity. You know, that type of Christianity that teaches the exclusive claims of Jesus. And Jesus says, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Well, there you go. It's really a two-part sermon, pretty straightforward. Blessings on the one hand, warnings of woe on another. From a worldly point of view, though, a completely unexpected way to understand them. The key is, have a godly understanding, a humble admission of our need before God, a hunger for his intervention in our lives. Friends, we need to be honest, don't we? We need to be honest about ourselves and honest to God. Come to him in your time of need. That time is now. Embrace the blessing on offer, humbly depending on God. And thanks be to Jesus, who unlocks every spiritual blessing for those who cling to him, to be welcomed into the kingdom of God, to rest in his righteousness, to have the comfort of forgiveness and the joy of eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for the blessings found in Jesus. Oh Lord, we do pray you would humble our hearts before you so that we might come before you in humble dependence and therefore receiving the blessings laid out for us in Jesus. And it's in his powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixon.